0: psalm 120 as tonight we cover a few psalms here um, having finished up psalm 119 which took a while it was a blessing but now we enter into these uh, psalms or songs of ascent and notice what you read in psalm 120 uh, it's a song of ascent, and uh, the, the psalmist says in my distress i cried to the lord and he heard me Deliver my soul, Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, or what shall be done to you, you false tongue? Sharp arrows of the warrior with coals of the, the broom tree. Woe is me, the psalmist says, that I, that I dwell in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kadar. My soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And so we now begin the the Songs of Ascents. And so it's 15 psalms uh, beginning in Psalm 120 and going all the way to Psalm 134. And basically, you know, the children of Israel, they were called to gather together in Jerusalem. If they didn't live there, you know, even if they live far away, they were called, hey, let's get together in Jerusalem. There were three feasts. The Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover, those go together. You guys know that, right? Unleavened Bread followed right by the Passover. So is this holiday. And then there was the Feast of Tabernacles, also the Feast of Pentecost. And so you read that in Deuteronomy 16. And so three times a year, they were called together to go to Jerusalem. And as they went to Jerusalem, these were the songs that they would sing on their journey. How many of you here, just out of curiosity, how many of you here like Christmas songs? You know, it's that time of year and you get to sing those certain songs, huh? And it's kind of special that that time of year, i love oh holy night or some of the others man it's amazing huh but they kindle something inside of you and and for the jews these songs uh, set aside for the the people that would make that journey a lot of people also believe that there were 15 psalms of ascent also because there are 15 steps up in the temple and as they would serve and so on it's kind of believed that the levites would stand on one step and they would sing uh, the first psalm psalm 120 then get on the next one and, and it'd be one, 121 and, and so the, on until they arrived there in times of service and so very very special psalms i personally believe that it was both uh, the Levites singing and then all those who who journey now, one of the cool things about studying three Psalms tonight is we're going to see the first one is they're taken out of captivity. He's praying, God, take me out of Meshach. Take me out of this place. And sometimes people, uh, Christians, they feel stuck. Uh, you might even be here tonight and you might not even be a Christian. You might be lost and you're in Egypt and God wants to take you out. He wants to, you're stuck somewhere, man. You know, you're stuck in your sin. You're stuck in your doubt. You're stuck in your negativity. You know, you're stuck in your frail faith. And God says, I want to take you out of that. The enemy has a stronghold on you. And you know it. You're not living. We're not living that life. And God says, hey, enough. Let's, let's get you out of there. Get you out of there. Maybe you're even, I was thinking as I was praying today, there might be someone here who's living somewhere. They shouldn't even be living there. Because he says right here, it's hard, man. I've been uh, with this person, and, and they, just, they just want hate. I want peace. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily a spouse. Those are things that sometimes we have to try to work out. But, you know, it just might be a, a city that you live in or a house that you're rooming with certain people. I don't know what the situation is. But, but you know, God wants to take you out, and he wants to move you somewhere different. And so you're going to see that in Psalm 120. Psalm 121 is kind of cool, because after he takes you out, then it's all about the journey. The journey, and God is going to keep you safe. That's my missionary uh, psalm. When you travel, uh, wherever you travel, I have a, a plaque up on my bedroom wall, and it says the Lord's going to take care of you when you go out and when you come in. He's going to keep you safe, because sometimes we're on the plane, and you hit the turbulence. You're like, Lord, is this it? <laughs> And if it is it, that means it's God's timing and that's okay. But I just, I have a peace. I have a, a security knowing that God's going to take care of me. So there's the journey. And then in Psalm 122, we'll see tonight as they arrive in Jerusalem, there, there's nothing like arriving in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And for us, even today as Christians, you know, when you go over to Jerusalem and you see the city when you're in the bus, and it's all, I've been there only a couple of times, but as you're going up the bus ride and you're looking out the window and you see the city of Jerusalem, something that you've only seen in pictures, you know, all your life as a Christian, and then you see it there, I mean, it just, man, you weep. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. My feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. And so if that's how we feel now as Christians, imagine how they felt back then when they, when they knew that there is the temple. You know, For them, it was representative of the presence of God. And so it's kind of cool tonight looking at it that way. Lord, take me out. Maybe you're stuck. Maybe you need to get saved. Maybe you need to get right. You need to get freed up. Get out of it and then the journey the journey is wonderful and then getting there in jerusalem and it's kind of cool because we're going to see in psalm 122 it's all about that peace you know that that beautiful peace what does jerusalem mean um we know shalom it means peace Uh, jerusalem some say it means teaching of peace others will just say city of peace but it's all about that peace do you have that peace as a Christian, I mean, not just a peace with God. Hopefully you are a Christian and you have peace with God. Because if you're not a Christian here tonight, you don't got peace with God. You might be here. Maybe your parents are Christian. You're not Christian. You're an enemy of God. You have to repent and get your life right with God. You've got to get saved because if you die in the condition that you're in, you're going you're gonna to perish. Have you truly surrendered your life to Christ? He died for you. He was nailed to a cross for you. And then they put him in a grave and he rose again. You can't go and stand before God without Jesus. You can't stow, go and stand before God without the righteousness of God imputed to your account. Who do you think you are? You can't. So first you've got to make peace with God. But then as a Christian, and it's a journey sometimes, but, you know, my prayer is that you would have the peace of God. That you know He's with you, that you know He loves you, that you're not living a life of of sin. Because you can never have peace, the the peace of God, if you're living in sin. You know, that saps you of your joy. You can never have the peace of God when you got your eyes on yourself or your circumstances or others. You know, we're going to see today, you can't have peace unless your eyes are just fixed on jesus you guys know that have you learned that yet you know because you finally you meet somebody and you think wow they're such a great person and they're so you know and you look to them and you begin to look to them and next thing you know it just takes time or maybe a little bit of proximity you get close enough and they let you down have you noticed that that everyone will eventually let you down everyone will and it's not their fault it's not their fault because they're only human only Jesus will never let you down and that's why you have to keep your eyes on him because otherwise you can never have peace in your heart and so we're gonna see that tonight Um, it's a cool uh, Psalms you know, they're going up to Jerusalem. It's the song of ascents. And we know, of course, Jerusalem is up in their geography, topography, 2,474 feet above sea level. And what we see right here is that the first uh, seven verses here, the song of ascents, it seems to describe a man in captivity. Well, And, and he's there. He considers it to be for too long, and so he prays. And as he prays, it's kind of cool, even though it hasn't happened yet, he is thoroughly confident that God will deliver him from his situation where somehow he ended up there because of lies and haters who robbed him of his peace. That's what they wanted. And so again, look at verse 1. In my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. And so he's still there. He's still kind of in a tough situation. But he's confident that God heard him. And maybe you're still there in your crazy situation. Uh, I I, I hope you're confident. You know, God hears you. It may not happen. It hasn't happened yet. But I do think that we need to pray in faith. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus said, "Men, ought not always to pray and not lose heart. But then at the end of the chapter, he says, When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith? on earth it doesn't say when the son of man comes will he find prayers people praying he says "Will will he find faith so number one you got to be praying but number two you got to be praying in faith this guy right here he says in my distress you know and that word right there speaks of extreme anxiety sorrow or pain in my distress i cried to the lord not just a little prayer i mean this guy's Crying to the Lord, and then and he just is confident that that he heard me, and he asked God there in verse two again, deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, or what shall be done to you, you false tongue, sharp arrows of the warrior with coals of the broom tree? And so he's asking God to deliver him, deliver his soul. You know, and that's a huge request. I'm dying inside because of these deceivers. I mean, here's an individual. They're not just suspicious. They know for a fact that someone's been talking smack, lies have been told about them. You know, this individual might even be in captivity of some sort because of a lie that was told in a court. So the psalmist is praying for deliverance for himself and vengeance on them. He's saying, get them, God. Is it okay to pray that? prayer? What do you think? <laughs> You're like, Lord, I feel like I want you to get them, but probably not. I mean, it just depends. Of course, we have New Testament light. These are kind of imprecatory Psalms, right? But Lord, you know, get them, take down my enemies. He asks right there, what's going to be done to you, you false tongue? And there's someone out there that's lying, you know, and he often offers God a suggestion there in verse four, that sharp arrows of the warrior with the coals of the broom tree. And the broom tree was uh, used for wood because it burned a long time. Uh, it was used for firewood. And so, you know, you guys, you've seen those movies, huh? those arrows with their flaming arrows, right? He's saying, God, pierce them through. Let them go up and take them down, God. And so, um, you know, here the, the psalmist is, is giving specifics. And, and when I read that, I couldn't help but think of Ephesians 6 in verse 16. You guys remember the, the armor that we have? And it says uh, there, when you're to take up your armor, it says, Above all, take the shield of faith with which you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And so the, basically what he's saying is, God, give them a, a, kind of like a taste of their own medicine. They've been lying about me. They've been saying things about me that, that aren't true. You know, fiery darts. And so, Lord, you get them with, with fiery darts. These arrows right here, you know, with the, the broom tree wood attached to it so that it would go deep inside. And and what we find is uh, is that this guy is hurting. Now, for us after the cross, for us who are Christians, if someone is, is talking bad about you, you probably shouldn't pray God... Kill them. You probably shouldn't pray that. What should you pray? God, save them. Save them, huh? You know, and so I was thinking that God's not going to use, you know, lies that are lit. God's going to use the torch of truth. And with that, Lord, take them down. You know, and there have been many stories of uh, people who pray for their enemies and they end up getting saved. All I know is that this guy here, he's hurting. Look at verse 5. He says, Woe is me that I dwell in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. So that's why I'm saying. Even though it looks like verse 1, it looks like he was uh, delivered, like I'm good, God answered, God heard. He's still there. I I dwell there in in Meshach. And so um, it's somewhere... Like in one sense, where you don't belong. I'm still there. And Meshach is a land directly north of Israel, up on the northern side of modern Turkey. It's on the southern coastland of the Black Sea. It's about a thousand miles away from where he wants to be. He's still there. And he's dwelling among the tents of Kidar. Now, Kidar is a son of Ishmael. And so it's interesting. It's a really tough place for this individual to be. And so that's when he just shares what's going on. Again, in verse 6, my, my soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. I, I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. And, you know, for me, uh, maybe some of you are like me. I mean, just I hate drama. I don't want to fight, I don't want conflict, you know, I just, I don't know, this is the type of individual I am, but but you guys know, just as well as I do, that, that there's a lot of people that are not like that, you know, and here's this individual, can you imagine living with someone who hates peace? And this can be something taking place on a personal level. Maybe you're here tonight and you actually live with someone who hates peace or maybe you're here and you work with someone who hates peace or somehow in the family someone's close to you and it's like you're living with them, you're dwelling with them and it could be something personally. That's a tough place to be. I think it even can go beyond that. I think it could be something uh, that we look at the Christians or Jews nationally and i was thinking for example of all the the 245 million christians in the world today they say one out of nine christians are being persecuted and here they are and they you know we have come a long way from the the days of the crusade crusaders you know i think that you know for christians we know better than that we know better than misrepresent god in that way And so, you know, but unfortunately, I saw a list, the watch list of nations. I mean, 50 nations that are just, I mean, so many crazy things are happening to Christians. You know, for example, I know not all Muslims are conservative. Many would be considered liberal, and therefore, they'd be considered peaceful. But uh, for those Muslims, uh, 10%, who do take their Quran literally, it, this right here, it fits perfectly. I, I, they hate peace, they hate it, you know. And so we see the way they treat uh, Jews and Christians and really all of those that they would call infidels. You know, even the war in Turkey and Syria, what's going on uh, right now? Their leader, the leader of Turkey, calls it a holy war. He calls the, his army the Mohammedans, and so, you know, they're killing Christians. Um, the 250,000 uh, refugees, many of them Christians. And so this, it's interesting. It's still going on, huh? I mean, it can be something personal. It can be something general. Um, I was reading a few things right here. These are just uh, personal accounts of a woman in India. She watches as her sister is dragged off by Hindu nationalists. And she doesn't know if her sister is alive or dead a man in north korea he's in prison camp he's shaken awake after being beaten unconscious only to be beaten again a woman in nigeria she's running for her life she has escaped from boko haram who kidnapped her but while they kidnapped her they raped her she's now pregnant and when she returns home, her community will reject her and her baby. Or there's a group of children, they're laughing and talking as they go down to the church sanctuary, eating together. And instantly, many of them are killed by a bomb that goes off. Why? Because it's Easter Sunday in Sri Lanka. Imagine living like that. You know, I was reading about this man right here, Hussein Muhammad who was killed on October 6th, and this is recently, in, uh he was killed by his family because he publicly put a post on Facebook that he's a Christian. He had converted from Islam to Christianity, and he had a cross, just like many of the Egyptian Coptic Christians do, he had a cross tattooed on himself, and he wasn't ashamed. And so... Uh, they killed them. And so when you when you read this right here it's interesting you know for us you know verse 1 in my stress I, I cried to the lord and he heard me but but he's not there yet. Even looking at it from a national or global perspective uh, to me it's a blessing to know that one day we will be there. Huh? And so you know you're stuck they're stuck. We're in this situation. And what, God, what he's praying for is that God would take him out. And then in Psalm 121 is the journey. Another song of ascents. He says, I, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth. And even forevermore. And this is a journey forever. This is a journey all the way home. And it's kind of cool to know you're invincible until God says you're done. That's kind of cool to know, huh? You don't have to be afraid. You know, I told you guys about that time where my friend got me all dressed up like a gang member and I went to the the gangs in, in L.A. I actually went where they hung out. You know, and he, I mean... You know, it looked kind of funny. I looked kind of funny, but I tried. I put my head up and stuff. and (laughs) You know, but we went in there, and we were sharing the Lord with them. And some might say that's a crazy thing to do, but it was the most exciting thing to do. You know, you go, and you go on these mission trips and some of these journeys. All of them have seemed to have some sort of adventure in them. And and you just, man, you don't have to worry. You're, You're not afraid. God protects you. You know, Psalm 121 is an interesting psalm because it's really divided up into two things that we need to take to heart. Number one is my responsibility. And then number two is God's ability. Why is it that some Christians seem to go farther than others? Why is it that some Christians seem to love the Lord more? Why is it that some Christians, they seem to have that peace and others don't? Why is it that some Christians they just seem you know stronger? They're they're different. Jesus looked at this guy over here, this believer, and he says, Wow, this guy has great faith. But that one doesn't. Why? I, I think that a lot of times we forget we have a responsibility. You know, we, we do. That's what he says there in verse one. I will lift up I will I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord. My responsibility. You know, things won't get any better if you keep your eyes down. They won't. If you keep your eyes on yourselves, your circumstances, or your warped and wicked world, they're not going to get any better. Don't be surprised. Your life's not changing, you're not growing. Don't blame it on, you know, well, the church, the pastor, whatever. No, we we're, we're, we'll all have as much of God as we want. You know, if you've got your eyes on those things, we have a response. We have a responsibility to lift our eyes. And I've told you guys a million times that if you focus on yourselves, you're going to be depressed. Okay? I mean, I, some of you are pretty good, but man, none of us, we all fall. Infinitely sure. Look at yourself in the blood of Jesus. Be encouraged by that. But but you got to fix your eyes on Him. If you look at your circumstances, you're going to be di- distressed. But if you look at the Lord, you'll be blessed. Or as Warren Wiersbe said, "If the outlook is bleak, try the uplook." Right. And so this is my responsibility. I will lift my eyes to the hills in order to focus on the Lord. And it's kind of cool because some people will say, even as the Song of Ascents, as they're going to Jerusalem, you know, they're looking up. They're like, I'm going to go and I'm going to meet with God. And if anybody gets in my way, you know, you better get out of the way, man, because nothing is going to stop me. You know, and I know a lot of things happen in life, but, you know, um, i tell you what, Lord, you come first. And so we have this responsibility. Let me give you three things. Number one is rising prayer. Rising prayer. In Revelation chapter 8, it talks about how their, their prayers rose before the throne of God as incense in front of his throne. And so there has to be the rising prayer. No matter what the situation is. Uh, remember, it can't get any worse than what happened to Job. Job lost all his wealth. He lost all his health and all of his children died. Now when your children die, I can't really think of anything worse than when your children die. Some of you guys maybe have heard today Toby Max's son 21 years old died. I don't know, I think it was cardiac arrest, I'm not really sure, but you know, um I mean, this, it's a parent, it's a, it's a person's worst nightmare. What do you do? You pray. That's what Job did in Job chapter 1 and verse 20. Then Job arose, he tore his robe and shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not charge God with wrong. So when no matter what it is, yeah man, you don't know what I'm going through. I, I understand that. I don't have the answers. I can't be the one to guide you. But I always like to tell myself or ask myself, have you honestly like bathed it in prayer? Uh, here we see our responsibility to rise in prayer. What are you going to do? I'm going to pray everything you're going through I'm going to pray you know in Daniel chapter 2 when Nebuchadnezzar you know had a dream and it was troubling him and he told all the wise men and magicians and astrologers and all them he said hey you guys have to you know tell me my my interpretation of my dream and they're like okay king no problem just tell us the dream and And the king's, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You have to tell me the dream that I had. And you have to tell me the interpretation. And if not, I'm going to chop you in pieces. And I'm going to burn your house down. It's going to be a big ash heap. And so the guys are biting their nails. They're like, "I, I can't do that. No, there's no man on earth that can do that. And you're right. There's no man that can do that. And so they started killing away until they came to Daniel. And Daniel told the guard, hey, wait a minute. Let me go to the king and ask him, just give me time to pray that's all daniel chapter 2 this if I, if it's okay just let me pray because i know if i pray you know god who reveals secrets he's an answer and sure enough god did and daniel and a lot of people are like well i want to be like daniel or i want to be like paul or i want to be like jesus but you don't want to pray how how in the world will that how can it happen So number one responsibility is that you have to rise in prayer. Number two is you have to have the right perspective. You know, again, right here, I will lift up my eyes to the Lord. How we need to turn our our heads and lift our eyes. You know, maybe you're here tonight and you're struggling. And, it's you know, a lot of it, if you're honest, you've been looking at stuff that you shouldn't look at even maybe even watching things reading things i don't know that you shouldn't the bible says in psalm 119 37 turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way do you do you have the right perspective am i looking to god am i looking at at, at good things you got to be good looking people okay you got to do that And that can be uh, applicable in so many ways. How important it is, I'm kind of, have you guys been watching the World Series? Kind of exciting to see. I wore my Dodger blue today. Someone was making fun of me and I said, yeah, right, I'm still a Dodger fan, just like God still loves me even though I fail all the time. (laughs) But, um, you know, those guys, when they hit The ball, I mean, they have to watch it coming out of that hand at 100 miles an hour, 95 miles an hour. They have to watch it move, and they have to watch it hit the bat. That's how they do it. They watch it hit. They got to keep their eyes on the ball. You know, and I I, I know it it may sound like ambiguous, but I think if you're a Christian, then you know what I'm talking about. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your conversation. Don't be gossiping. Don't be, you know, dwelling on things that you shouldn't. That, that's what's dragging you down. The content of your conversation, the things that are spilling out of your mouth, that's because your focus is on that stuff. I mean, we have to deal with issues. Don't misunderstand me. But, you know, we really have to have the right perspective and that is just lifting up, up our eyes and keeping them on the Lord. Not just a positive outlook on life, you know, um, but, you know, keeping your eyes. Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. And so, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of Of our faith and so our faith started right we got saved it was cool but many of us here our faith needs to grow and that's only going to happen when our eyes are fixed that we're looking unto Jesus as it means fixing our eyes on Jesus are you are we really doing that we have to lift our eyes to that place you know again When I I was reading this, I was thinking about that passage in Matthew 17, verse 7 and 8. And wouldn't it be cool if we could experience what we read here, where it says, But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And here was Peter and the guys, and they wanted to make a tabernacle one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then the father spoke from the cloud of Mount and the Transfiguration, he, and you know he said, "This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him." Because a lot of times we can get our eyes on Moses or Elijah, and the Lord says, "No, you know, you got to keep your eyes on Me." It's so important, and I've learned that. I've made many mistakes. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm up and down and all around. I'm like this emotional roller coaster. And I I know better now, though. It's only because I got my eyes on somebody, or I got my eyes on numbers, or I got my eyes on a situation. And Lord said, "Don't do that. You got to keep your eyes on Me." You know, in this psalm, we read about our responsibility. Number one, rising prayer. Number two, a right perspective. And then number three, a regular pilgrimage. A regular pilgrimage. Again, remember what we read in the very beginning, it's a song of ascent. And as I mentioned already, Psalm 120 through 134, are psalms where the people would sing from all over the world as they would travel, and they would come to Jerusalem, if at all possible, three times a year. And so um, you guys know that can be a challenge, huh? You may think, well, back then it, it, it was a, a lot easier because I'm sure they just kind of came, you know, and, and, and it's harder for me because now I have to get into an airplane and, you know, pay a lot of money. Listen, and, and when you read, uh, when you study, it cost them a lot of money too. And it was very difficult and it was very dangerous. But they made the pilgrimage. And so, I don't know, of course, that's symbolic of, like, I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to, you know, to do whatever I need to do, you know, to go and truly, genuinely meet with God. You know, you make that pilgrimage. I'm proud of you guys for coming here tonight, you know, to hear from God. You didn't have to, but you chose to. And some of you are so faithful, and you're disciplined in that regular pilgrimage. I encourage you guys, because I'm telling you this, the spirit of the age, the spirit of Antichrist is alive. The trend and the apostasy has begun. You know, sometimes you look around and they say that in 1999, 70% of America were members of the church and now 50% are, you know, are members in a church, in a Christian church. And so it's definitely dwindled after years of pretty much the same percentage. But then even within the 50%, they said the ones who still, they love the church, they're they're really not going with conviction. You know, if something else comes up, uh, you know, that's cool. I don't have to go. So all I'm saying is that that regular pilgrimage, and it could be, to jerusalem or it could be you know i'm going to be there at church service as long as they you know they're going to be given the word or whatever i'm i'm going to go to um spend time with the lord every day in the morning you know for me wake up get the coffee you're out in the garage sometimes you feel like it maybe sometimes you don't but it's just the regular pilgrimage and god never lets you down because you meet with him So the rising prayer, the right perspective, the regular pilgrimage, we have a responsibility. If you want God to move in your life, you know, you can't just sit back and say, okay, God, bring it to me. No, there's, uh, I always tell people, we have to cooperate with God. We have to yield to the Holy Spirit. And then when you do that, after, you know, us exercising our responsibility, then we tap into God's ability And again, in verse 2, we see, number one, that God is the helper. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And as we pray, it's good to remind ourselves of who exactly it is we're praying to. He's the maker of heaven and earth. And at the same time, you know, maybe it's even good to let God know that you do believe. He's the maker. You're the maker of heaven and earth. God, I, I believe that with all my heart. And I'm reminding myself right now as I'm dealing with this situation, as I'm dealing with this person, that nothing's too hard for you, that you made heaven and earth. You spoke it into existence by the power of your word when it was obsolete. There was nothing there. Um, And so, Lord, I'm praying to you. That's what he's saying right there. It's the same thing they prayed in the book of Acts chapter 4, When, if you guys remember, they were preaching the name of Jesus. And the religious leader says, how dare you preach that name? If you do it again, you guys are dead. And so what did they do? They gathered together and they started praying, God, give us boldness to preach. Not protect us, because they're about to kill us. I don't want to get arrested. I don't want to do any time in jail. They didn't pray that prayer. They said, God, give us boldness. You're the maker of heaven and earth. Acts 4.24. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Look on their threats and grant your servants that with boldness we may preach. And you guys remember what happened? God answered their prayer. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to preach the word of boldness, and it was accompanied with an earthquake. You guys remember? The whole place shook. And that's cool when you read that, you know, you begin to tap into God's ability and then you start seeing things that happen, man. They knew who they were praying to, they believed, and God granted it to them. And so, the one who made and maintains everything is the same one who will help us uh, with his ability. You Guys, remember in John fourteen twenty six that that's the, the title of the Holy Spirit, the one who lives in you, the helper, the Holy Spirit. Whom the Father will send in my name. He's going to teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And he'll help you. Now, the second thing about the Lord's ability is that he's the keeper. In verse uh, 3 through 5, he will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, who, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. And so, you know, he's not like us. He's never drowsy. He's never off or off duty. He keeps his people. Do you guys believe that about God? How many of you are are aware of the fact that you're invincible until he says you're done? You guys believe that? So you don't have to be afraid, huh? You don't have to be afraid. And I'm not saying go do things that are foolish. But I am saying go and do adventurous, obedient, I mean, outside the box things. I'm saying that because you don't have to be afraid. He's your keeper. And he takes care of you. I I was reading in Isaiah 27.3. I love this passage. Speaking of the people of Israel. He says, I, the Lord, keep it. Because he kind of you know, compared Israel to a vineyard, uh, I keep it, I water it every moment. Lest any hurt it, I keep it night and day. And so that's a really cool thing to, to, to see. I, I was, I'm just curious, any of you here ever had a bodyguard? Any of you guys, I'm just curious. That would be kind of a weird life, huh? You're surrounded with bodyguards, man. I kind of want to try it one day. <laughs> no. um, but I, I remember one time, I, uh, I was in high school. And I was kind of a little guy. I still am, huh? <laughs> and I was a wrestler. And I remember I met this one guy named Jeff, Jeff Kidwell. He was just, he was like wide. He was a big dude. But he wasn't tall. He wasn't tall. And so, I don't know, for whatever reason, there was another guy named Dean Hoffaker who like wanted to kill me. I'm not sure if it was over a girl or something. I don't really remember what happened, man. But I just remember that Jeff Kidwell said, I'll protect you. I'll protect you. And uh, yeah, it went down. It went down. I remember one time. So Jeff Kidwell, he's just, he has his hands in his pocket. Now, Dean Hoffaker is a Big dude, big, and he and he just starts, starts just like man, just man, doing <laughs> crazy. I can't even describe. It. <laughs> and uh, anyways, he was socking him, and Jeff Kidwell just, you know, he just roared back, and he and he pounded the big guy, and um, that protected me, you know, from then on. And, and so I was just thinking about that. That's probably the closest thing I've had to a literal, actual, physical bodyguard. But I just really felt safe after that, you know? And I was just thinking how the Lord is, is with us, you know? He's the one that takes care of us every moment. We have nothing to be afraid of. He's the helper, he's the keeper. And then he's the preserver, we read in verse six. It says, The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. And so I like the way it has forevermore. You know, because that tells me it's all the way to the end. From this time in time all the way to eternity he will preserve us. You know, we won't suffer a sunstroke or be moonstruck. No matter how hot or cold life gets, and that will happen, uh, day or night, it doesn't matter. God graciously serves and preserves us. You know, all the time. And you guys know life has this, you guys know that that things are going to happen in life? I was reading the other day, Matthew 7. it talks about the guy who hears and he does. He's, a lot, he's like a guy who builds his house on the rock and when the wind and the storm and the waves come, that the house stands because he's been obedient. He's been living an obedient life. But the other guy who hears and doesn't do, when the storm comes and the wind and all that kind of crazy stuff comes, his house falls and graces fall because he has not been living a life of obedience. But both of them the storm comes. And so we have to be ready for that, right? It's going to come. The, the sun will strike, the moon, all those things. But we're going to be okay. Why? Because God will preserve us. We've done our part, our, our part. We already talked about my responsibility is rising prayer, right perspective, right? We, My responsibility. I, it's not much, I believe, I'm obeying the best that I can. I'm trying to keep my eyes on you, and then God just kicks in and takes care of us. Our going out, our coming in, you know, and those of you who travel, you can use this uh, as something you give to your family members. Whenever I go to Cambodia, my dad, he's funny. Every time he's all, it's a communist country. I'm like, dad, it's not a communist country. They're gonna get you. No, I'm okay, dad, and I give him Psalm 121, you know? It's uh, an interesting phrase, going out and coming in, is a merism expressing two contrasting thoughts as a whole. So you're going out and you're coming in and everything in between. And so we see um, not only that, but the Jews always had this phrase, uh, thinking also of coming out of where? Egypt. God had brought them out of Egypt, led them to where? Came into the promised land. What is the promised land? Victorious Christian living. You don't have to wander in the wilderness. You don't have to be defeated if you're a disciple of Christ. You have power. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We are different. We can walk on water, we can move mountains. God can tame our tongue, God can do great things. In us and through us. God can use you to save people. So he brought us out of Egypt. And he leads us into the promised land. It's an 11 day journey. It doesn't have to be a 40 year journey. And then one day where is he going to lead us? All the way home. What an awesome day that will be. You're, you're going out and you're coming in from this time forth forevermore. Psalm 122 is uh, another song of sense. I was glad when they said to me that it's going to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Do you guys remember that song? I was glad when they said unto me. No? I'm the only one. Do you guys remember that song? No? I asked Sammy to sing it. He said, I haven't sung it since I was seven. So. <laughs> but, you know, there's a joy. I was glad. You know, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Do you guys get glad? You know, and I know this is not literally the house of the Lord the way that it was back then. But we are congregating with God's people. This is a temple. According to 1 Corinthians 3, the people, he lives in the, in the people. There's something about that. Do you get glad? Hey, it's time for church. I hope you do, <laughs> but I have a feeling, I have a hunch that it's not like that for a lot of people. And so prayerfully, we we check our heart. A song of ascent. They're going out to Jerusalem. There's nothing like it. Notice in verse three, Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. The key word being together, uh, where the tribes go up the tribes of the lord to the testimony of israel to do what to give thanks to the name of the lord for thrones are set there for judgment the thrones of the house of david and so again you know they're just so excited we're going to be together all the different tribes of israel imagine the fellowship imagine the the unity there the the testimony of israel there's different views on exactly what that might be but at the end of the day it's symbolic, really, of God's presence. We're going to go seek him. And while we're there, the reason is because we're so grateful that we're saved. Uh, there's the thrones that are mentioned. Some say that speaks of justice. Others say it actually speaks of the leadership that would be there um, uh, uh, of guidance. So you come to church service, and, and you're, you're expressing gratitude to God, And you come to church service, and you're with God's people, and a lot of times there's a guidance. We all need that, huh, of God, and this is things that are taking place. Now it's an interesting psalm because who's it written by? It's written by David. Now uh, he's talking about you know them going up uh, to the, the this place, and there's this there's this temple there, the testimony. And some say, well, that's in reference to the tabernacle. Others will say well, it was a prophecy regarding the future temple that would be built. You know, and that's an interesting concept when you think about it. You know, but but all I know is that as we're here, we're, we're reading about David's words and what a joy it is. And I remember when they brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, and man, how happy he was. And we, he danced. You guys remember? He danced. And so there in Israel, verse 6, and so he says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls. Prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And, And what we see here is just this love this love for Jerusalem. There's this love. you know and I will say that I think a sign of salvation in one sense is the love for Jerusalem. And we, we pray for her peace. and I think we're wise to be allies of Israel. You know, may they prosper, It says there in verse six, who who love you, right? And we want peace within the walls uh, for the people. And, and also it says right there, Because uh, verse 7, peace within your walls, prosperity within your palaces, for the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. And there's no doubt that's in reference to, more than likely, the the temple. David's saying it's going to happen. And so they would pray for the peace of Jerusalem. For the people and the temple and so you know song of a sense they're, they're beautiful psalms uh, I, I would pray that as we now enter into this section of psalms that we would kind of see it that way like i'm gonna like head towards jerusalem now because i want to seek the lord you know i was reading exodus 34 and it talked about how the lord uh, invited Moses up the mountain. And so when he went up the mountain, he was supposed to take a couple of tablets and God would write on them, right? And he would spend time with the Lord. And you guys remember the story there in Exodus 34? The, Moses saw the glory of the Lord. He saw the afterglow of the Lord. It's just amazing. And as you're ascending up the mountain, whether it's your quiet time, or you're going to church service, or you're on your way to Jerusalem, whatever it is, you're ascending up that mountain, we go up also, you know, to see the glory of, of the Lord, that the Lord Jesus Christ, who loves us unconditionally, who we we sang about today, his reckless love, how he chases after us, how he knocks down the walls. There's no mountain that he won't move. I mean just he comes after us. That's the God that we serve, who has these amazing plans for our life. I know it's not easy, but it's beautiful what God wants to do, you know, and so that we're looking to him and his love and as we go up there to see who he is it's so cool because then he begins to write not on the tablets of stone but 1 Corinthians 3 it says on the tablets of our heart why? because it's a new covenant And, and you guys that's not just like fluff that's not just like superficial you know wishful thinking that's the reality of what it really means to be Christian, with this new covenant, so I pray that you guys will seek the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as we go through these psalms or songs of ascent, ascent, that you would also ascend.